I Suck at Dating with Dean Ungler, an iHeartRadio podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 10. Thank you for joining me. We've got a great episode for everyone that's listening out there. We are going to be circling back around with some married couples we've had in studio, picking their brains, just seeing really what makes their relationship successful. And amongst the, the week hiatus that we took, I was able to get some thinking done. I sat back, reflected, had an incredible, incredible epiphany that hit me, and I'm very excited to share it with you guys today. Um, okay, my Instagram live is over now. <laughs> Anyways, that was a cliffhanger. Nope, episode 10, Help I Suck at Dating. I have actually had some interesting, unique thoughts. I think every week before the episodes, I try to have at least one unique thought of dating in general, because, I mean, you guys, obviously, the producers, Mark, Easton, um, Amy Sugarman and Tanya are obviously great in terms of guiding the podcast, but I like to at least have like new ideas that I come up with right throughout the day. Um, I don't know if you want to get to that now or if you want to start talking to married couples. And I think I think this one that I had last night too, as I was falling asleep, um, kind of applies to some of the listeners that might be dealing with some of these guys that they've been calling in about, you know, like their relationship troubles, all that kind of stuff. So me specifically, I'm going to say that I have, for the sake of this exercise, I'm going to say that I have 10 friends. Um, 70% male, 30% women. So of those 10 friends, seven of those are guys. Of those seven guys, I would say two of the f- two of the seven are in relationships. So we're looking at, what, that's like 28% of them are in relationships. The other five are all single. I'm, quick math. <laughs> the other five are single. So five of my seven guy friends are single, which means I'm probably spending more time with them and going out to the bars more often with them than I am with the two that are in a relationship. And, and you correct me, chime in if you want to while I'm discussing, because it, it's a very uh, premature thought. I would say, too, that as guys, we're more prone to share the things that we dislike about our significant other than we do the things that we do like about them. So the two guys that I'm friends with that are in relationships are constantly complaining about things of their relationship, which as a single guy to hear is very much a turnoff, and, and it kind of uh, catalyzes the the need and want to stay single so it's just i'm saying as as a listener of this podcast if you're a woman and you're looking to date a guy maybe look at the guys that he surrounds himself by his friendships and see if any of them are in successful relationships obviously i think the people the company that you keep is very important to who you are as a person on a daily basis um and i don't know necessarily how to i guess overcome that but that's just kind of a thought that I had last night. Can you learn from them at all? Like when they complain about something she's doing, can you think to yourself, how will I handle that? Because no relationship is perfect. You're going to find the great woman, great love of your life someday, yeah. and there will still be conflict. So can you learn from them and think, how will I handle it if that ever happens to me? Or is it more of a, oh, oh, thank God I don't have to deal with that? Well, I think as a guy, as a 26-year-old man, my friendships are very much not rooted in confiding in each other's relationship woes. So it's like, Say my friend who's dating his girlfriend of three years is going through, I don't know, a hard point in their relationship. He wouldn't like reach out and be like, I mean, of course you'll have conversations, but I don't think he would be like, we would like sit down and weigh a pros and cons list of what's good and what's bad. <laughs> it's mostly you just hear about the bad things and not so much about the good things. And you hear about the, like the, the things that he doesn't like, but not the, the nice things that he's doing on a daily basis. Do you ever ask them reason. like, why are you still in this relationship? There's got to be some positives. And I'm not saying that all of them are negative no. at all. I'm, of course, they're, I think they're more majority positive than they are negative. But I just think that— But you're saying they only say negative things about their partner. In, like, male, like locker room talk. I don't want to label it that, but essentially that's what it is. Yes. You know, you, you talk about things that are kind of bothering you more so than you talk about things that are benefiting you. Mm-hmm. And it's just—it's a weird thing to think about. It almost kind of stigmatizes being in a relationship when you're surrounded by so many single friends and then the, the few friends that you have that are in relationships aren't— seemingly as happy as they actually genuinely are, but they just don't talk about that happiness as often as they talk about the And you don't want to ask about that happiness. Because you could gain some insight there. True. Okay. Because all you're hearing is the negatives. It makes it sound awful. Right. But they're there for a reason. Right. I remember once, uh, it was an old guy I used to work with who used to, you know, a lot of guys make jokes about their ex-wives when they have ex-wives and what a horrible monster they are. And I was thinking to myself... You loved her so much that you committed the rest of your life to that person. And okay, so it didn't work out, but could she be that horrible? Yeah. Just guys can be so negative sometimes when they talk to their other guy friends about it, but in the back of my mind, I'm always thinking there's got to be something there. Something that they clung on to at one point. Yeah, and with your friends, something that they're enjoying. Right. 
then they're sticking around for. And of course, if you're in a relationship, I think it means that you enjoy it more than you don't, right? So, or I mean, there's fear of being alone. There's all kinds of those issues. Yeah, I guess I, I guess the point of that thought was just like, be, I don't know, aware of the friendships that these guys that you're pursuing are are surrounding himself by. Because I love my friends to death, and I would kill for every single one of them. Mm. Um, but they're all uh, dating inept as well in a lot of ways. And I, it, I, I don't want to say that it like affects me positively or negatively, but it definitely like is something worth considering, I think, you know? Yeah. Tanya, jump in. I completely... Tanya is in the studio. Yes, hello. I, hey. <laughs> I'm just sticking around for this one today. <laughs> You're the best. Um, I 100% agree with you because I think that I, in my life right now, I'm surrounded by really healthy, strong relationships mm. in my life. And I look to these people and I like I love how I love the foundation of their relationships. I love how the both of them bring out the best in each other. I love how they work. They're like a team, you know, like I, all the couples I'm surrounded with are a team and they have a partner. And I, I admire that so much. So I think that's why for me, I mean, I, I'm not necessarily sad being single, but I definitely strive for a relationship yeah. because I have such strong relationships in my life and in my friendships and in my circles that I really admire and like look up to. So I can see how that negatively can affect to you not wanting to be in a relationship yeah and i don't i don't want to say that it's a not wanting to be in a relationship for me personally okay celebrating your singleness <laughs> i just think it, it it provides like obviously everything that we do you kind of stack the pros and cons the positives and negatives of everything you do and when you're surrounded by people that are happily enjoying their single life more so than being in a relationship mm -hmm. then it kind of like makes your um i guess scales teeter in one certain direction and like I, to your point as well uh, my brother has been dating his girlfriend for four or five years. They both live in Colorado together. I don't make it out there often to see them, but whenever I do, I'll stay with them for you know four or five days at a time, and I'll always come out of that experience being like, "Wow, they have like such a strong relationship, and they really, really love each other." And it's like it's just it's it's interesting to see how quickly our mindsets can change when we're surrounded by yeah. things that we want to see for ourselves, you know. And I think what's interesting is like for me, I went through this a lot. Like for so long, I feel like um, I didn't appreciate that I was single yeah. and I was so badly wanting to be back in a relationship and I didn't like appreciate all the good things that come with being single, you know? And I think now I'm trying to be way more present in like being thankful for the season that I'm in. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't have to answer to somebody. I can literally do whatever I want. Like in five years from now, I'm probably going to be married. And I'm probably going to have a family. So I'm like trying to just be more like present and like in the moment and grateful for the season that I'm in. But it is, it's really interesting because I do think like it, Depending on your situation, you can really like sway either way. Yeah, and depending on the time of year, I feel like with <laughs> winter coming up, <laughs> seasonal affective disorder, right? Cuffing season. <laughs> Cuffing season, yeah. as it's more uh, colloquially referred to as, I guess. Uh -huh. But yeah, I mean, I think personally, I get a little bit more down in the dumps this time of year for whatever reason. Maybe holidays, maybe whatever it is. I just think people in general get a little. Maybe not in LA so much because the sun's always out, but back in Colorado, the sun sets at like four p.m. Yeah, you're a little bit more. Off. And do you feel lonely? Is that a feeling you feel? And you know, if it's Christmas time or that time of year, yeah. do you wish you had somebody to share it with? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, everyone feels lonely. So you kind of go back and forth. <laughs> you know, such a little but that's the thing. Like I'm surrounded by so many great friends all the time. Like there, I always have an outlet of friendship to to refer to. But um, yeah, I think not being in a relationship, or especially around this time of year, mm -hmm. it's it's challenging. Mm -hmm. Well, give them the theme of this show. And we'll kind of segue into that. Yeah, which is a great segue, too, because the people that we're going to speak with today haven't had to deal with that for a while because mm -hmm. they've been in successful relationships, successful marriages for varying amounts of time, but most of them very, very long. So what we're going to do is we're going to ask married couples the best advice that they have for their successful relationships. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, because when you suck at dating, you turn to those who aren't dating anymore, the ones that are married. They clearly were successful at dating. At, at one point or point. another. Yes. Or they just failed into a marriage somehow, which <laughs> I'm happens. sure happens, happens sometimes. Well, I'll start, if you don't mind. Please. I've been with my wife for 20 years, married for 15. Jeez. Um, and any questions you have. But how, I, I'm often asked, how did you know? And for me, I remember very clearly we had been together for a couple of years. And I was thinking, you know, how do you know when it's time to propose or not? And I thought, well, what if I don't? And what if we were to break up? And the thought of she and I living just separate lives. She's off doing her thing and dating somebody, and I'm off doing my thing. It was laughable to me. It was inconceivable that there would ever be a time in my life when Amy wasn't part of my life. That was ludicrous. And that's when I knew, okay, so this is the, this is it now. So I'm going to have to propose. So here's my question. Have you guys seen the movie Definitely Maybe? 
No. Ryan Reynolds. Erica, have you? I have not seen it. Okay, so I have. It's with the little girl, right? Yes. He has the little baby, and they're trying to. He's like talking about the the uh, love, I guess, loves that he's had throughout his life, and and why her mother is her mother, that kind of thing. Okay. You've definitely seen this movie before. Anyways, in the movie, definitely maybe the the female lead. I can't remember her name. She's an incredibly famous actress. Says something along the lines of, "It's not who, but when." So it's not who you're with that you know you're going to get married, but it's when you're with that person that you know that you're ready to spend the rest of your life with them. So it's not like, does that make sense? Is that kind of what yeah. you were saying as well? It's like I, I guess it is. If you met Amy 10 years before, I, granted she would have been an 8-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> Just to clarify, I was 26 and Amy was 18 when we started dating. So when I had this revelation, it was probably 29 and 21. Right. But it, it almost goes against your point. Because yes, for me, I was at a place in my life when I was ready to settle down. But she was 21 years old. It's very easy for her to say that she wasn't at that point in her life. And honestly... One of the reasons I was hesitant to propose too soon is I wanted to make sure that she was 100% on board. Yeah. Because when you're 21, 22, you've been dating the same guy since you were 18, I didn't want that feeling in her head of who else might be out there. I haven't sampled anything. I've been with well, this guy, and maybe I'd like to play the field a little bit and see what else is out there. Luckily, she didn't feel that way, but I was, I was very nervous about that. Yeah. As far as marriage goes... I've always, my advice has always been to consider it a commitment. And obviously it's a commitment. But what I mean by that is you think of it long term because I feel like a lot of people feel like if it's not going well for a certain amount of time, right. that it's falling apart and it's over. But it's not. It, there's ups and there's downs and there's peaks and there's valleys mm -hmm. and whatever. If you're committed to it being a lifetime together, that fight last night, it's not that big a deal in the grand scheme of right. things. Where some people are like, I'm going to my mom's. I can't right, deal with right. you. I'm out of here. Or they go to someone else because it's getting a little rocky at home. So they seek solace in somebody else. And then it's, it's going to be over. You're mm -hmm. blowing the whole thing up. So I think as long as you see it as a lifetime together, yeah. which could scare some people, I understand. But as long as you think of it that way, I think you can get through anything. Yeah. I think um, Amy we had on last week, right? The the holistic sex expert. What's her name, Amy? I, <laughs> I think it was Amy. Anyway, so I was listening to the podcast that we recorded last week, and she said something that really uh, struck a chord with me. She said something along the lines of, relationships are one of the things that we work for until we get, and then once we have, we don't really work anymore. Like, yeah. Like you like work for an apprenticeship or you work – um, at your job, you constantly improve yourself, but in relationships, you kind of stop that once you acquire what you're looking for, and you don't constantly like achieve to do better in the relationship. Her name was Kim. Kim Anami. Kim. That's okay, I apologize. Kim, Amy. I'm so sorry for for saying Amy, but um, yeah, that really struck a chord with me. I feel like because to your point, I feel like w when you have an argument, you kind of people like tend to internalize that and maybe take it and run with it. Mm -hmm. But what she was saying was, it's it's not just a once you have it, you have it. It's just something that you have to continue to work mm -hmm. with and improve upon. And improve upon yourself, right. too. I've, I'm such a better person than I, than I was when I met Amy. A lot of that is thanks to her. Yeah. But a lot of that is just from the relationship and maturing and growing up and figuring out what works and doesn't work. Right. And it's just interesting to think about. Because yeah. I think that I've always maybe, I think all of us kind of inherently know that, but we never really outwardly express or talk about it. And so it's just like a weird to have like that kind of like realization of thought that that I don't know. That's just kind of my take. On mm -hmm. it, but mm -hmm. um, yeah, like your whole life is it turns into a compromise. Like you never, you know what I mean? When you when you're married, you don't ever get to do 100 percent exactly what you want to do. Is that true? Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. Mark Easton, Easton, you can jump in. Yeah, I, I'd say so. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful compromise. Yes, yes, yeah. it's it's very satisfying and it's very it is very beautiful. Yeah. But and it also makes me better because if I just did whatever I wanted all the time, I'd sure be on the couch a lot. Yeah, and yeah. your house would probably be a mess. My the house would be a mess. I I wouldn't be out hiking. I wouldn't be out exercising. Like I'm trying to be a better person for mm -hmm. me, for her, for the kids, for everybody. If it was up to me. It would be a lot of TV, and it's good. <laughs> it's a good thing. The compromise is positive, although I get when you're in your 20s, that compromise is not something you're interested to in. To the conversation we had last week as well, that's a challenge that your wife kind of gives you is to, to get up more and clean the house and do whatever it is. She's constantly pushing you to do things that you wouldn't do on your own had she not been there. So right. that's that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Amazing, and the benefits are great. Right. I live in a clean house right. <laughs> instead of the squalor <laughs> I lived in before right. her. And at 8 p.m. on a Sunday after watching TV all day long, you feel a lot worse than had you gone hiking for the day and right. gotten some chores accomplished, all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. Exactly right. I'd probably be 50 pounds heavier. I, th I think maybe guys just don't have as much foresight as women, you know? And motivation and ambition and all that stuff. Everything. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <Intellect>. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> hey, I think we're on to something. <laughs>
<laughs> we have a married woman on the line. Okay, nice. So we have Kim calling in. She's been married for three years with her husband, who's been they've been together for ten years. Wow, I kind of stumbled over that one. Kim, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. How are you? Thank you for calling. Good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. All right. So the theme of today's episode is we're talking about what a successful relationship is married. Uh, I'm sorry, is made of. Um, so we're joined by Easton, Mark, and Tanya here. So do you mind kind of telling us a little bit more about your story? Yeah, of course. Um, I've been with my husband for 10 years, and we've been married for three. Um, and our first four years together were actually long distance because he was playing professional baseball. So I think um, a lot of the reason why we've made it this far is because we've always had open communication. Mm. Um, and I think that was like a big part in our relationship. So he was traveling for work, essentially. Yes. And what did you do during that time? Um, I was in San Francisco. I was a chef. So I was finishing up uh, culinary school and then working in restaurants up there. Do Would we have heard of your husband through his professional career? Um, um, he played the minor league for the San Francisco Giants. Um, he was a catcher. So I don't know. He never made it. Um, Not Buster Posey, though. Main. No, but he, no, he played with Posey, though. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so... We've talked about this in the past, in, in past episodes with like Adam and Raven and other people that have been through the long distance experience. How did you go about making it work with your boyfriend at the time, it sounds like? And then maybe since, yes. since he retired from baseball, he became your husband? Yeah. Um, I always, we've always said that um, we think like, I think the foundation of like a really strong relationship is trust and communication. And from day one, we've always been honest, no lies. I think that's like a really big part in a successful relationship um, to start off on the right foot. Yeah. I think it must be challenging for you too, because not only was he, was it long distance, but he was like traveling to new places all the time. Um, I guess I don't know the extent of like how often you were able to visit him. But yeah, so how is yeah, it? I mean, we got lucky the first year I lived in San Francisco and he was playing in San Jose. So we were actually only 45 minutes apart from each other. Oh, nice. So after certain games, he would come over and sleep in the city and spend the weekend. So we got really lucky. But then he moved to Virginia and that was probably the hardest time because it was probably three. The longest we've been apart was three months. Um, and I think for us being able to talk on the phone and um, having that communication was really helpful because it got really hard at times. Um, but after that, when we lived together in LA, um, I think we were so glued to each other because we had been separated for so long that now it's been um, a lot easier. Nice. And so, so he basically gave up, well, maybe not gave up his professional career, but he essentially uh, finished out what he was trying to do with that and then decided to obviously mutually decided to settle down and, and tie the knot essentially yeah yeah definitely he actually had a couple of flute concussions so um it was the doctor said that he couldn't really play anymore and he had already been doing it for five years and like you said it was kind of mutual like what am i going to do now i have a girl back at home and so we both moved back to la where we're both from and started um the rest from there so would you consider that that long portion of the long distance relationship beneficial for you now because it, like you said you're kind of a little bit more glued to each other i can kind of attribute it to like when you adopt a shelter dog or something like that and they're essentially velcro to you at that point right the, the extended yeah. absence kind of draws you closer physically now yeah i think so for sure i think the long distance has made us both stronger i think our communication skills are so much better um, because we were long distance so um, i think that helped out in the long run nice so what's the key to making, I guess, this relationship work now? Um, like I said from the beginning, I think being honest with each other um, from day one is really huge help. I think that having, like, never lying and being open and just knowing that you can't read each other's minds. So if something's bugging you, you need to let your partner know, you know, he can't read your mind if something's bugging you or vice versa. So I think being open and honest, and we always say, like, don't bring work home with you. You can't work. If you work too hard and then you come home and you're stressed about it, you know, that you bring it home on your wife or your husband. So I think not taking things too seriously, um, I think that's a really big piece of advice as well. What does what is his career now uh, that he's out of um, now, now he's in sales. That makes sense. I, I think that's a natural transition for most athletes. Well, not most athletes, yeah. but the mentality, I think, kind of carries over pretty well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's always worked with um, a bunch of people, and he's really good with that. So 
I think now he's, um, we're both, I don't know, I think we're both very honest with each other, and I think that's huge. And we always say, like, even, like, he's 32, I'm 30, and we go to Coachella every year. And I always say, like, if you like to party or have fun, like, instead of just doing, like, a boy's trip or a girl's trip, like, try and include your wife or your husband. Like, we have the best time when we go out together, and we always go to concerts and shows, and that's how you build memories and get closer, too. Absolutely. So I watched the movie um, The Invention of Lying last night. And it's it's funny too because they're just brutally honest the entire time. So do you see that with you and your husband? Even like if you if you're honest about something that maybe the other one isn't going to like, it's still worth saying. Yes, one hundred percent. I think that we're best friends, so I think in the long run it's going to help us. It's never going to hurt you. What about um, little baby Kim's running around anytime soon? No. <laughs> no. No, I think we're going to rescue. We already have a rescue dog. Nice. And um, we're both the, I'm a baby of three girls and he's the baby of three boys. So we want to be the really cool aunt and uncle that can <laughs> spoil them and then give them back. That's, I mean, that's understandable. Um, yeah. And I mean, I, th- I think a puppy is good enough anyway. So. I have a quick yeah. question. I'm so fascinated by the, the life of the professional athlete. So, I mean, his whole life, high school, college, yeah. baseball, baseball, mm-hmm. baseball, and then he has these concussions. Was it difficult for him to, to make that decision to stop going yes. every spring to spring training? Yes. I think it was probably the hardest decision of his life. I think he said um, that if we weren't together, that maybe he would still try. But he said because he wasn't going to be able to be a catcher anymore no matter what. But he could have tried being – because he had a good arm, you know, he could have been a pitcher. But he said that transition was the hardest because you just live and breathe baseball your whole life. You never think about what you're doing next because you just think it's only that. But that puts a lot of pressure on you for him to say that if I wasn't with you, I might give it another shot. Yeah, but I don't really believe that. I think he was done with it mentally. I mean, he was so injured. Like, I I think he just says that to be like, oh, yeah, I think think I'd keep playing. But there's no way he would keep playing. Like, it's the minor league baseball is so hard. It's like every day you're, it's just, it's, it's a grueling process to make it. Yeah. And it's no money and it's no, no it's no money. You make like, nothing. And it's, you're just, it's, you know, it's all mental The you know, sports in general, like 80% of it is a mental game. So I think it's a lot for any minor league player. And then to be able to make it, like I said, he played with Buster Posey was in his class and they were catchers together. So I think being behind someone like that, um, it's really, it's really hard. Tanya doesn't know sports, but, but what, what happened was he was catching with this guy, Buster Posey, and then watched Buster Posey go to the major leagues, sign multi-million dollar contracts, oh. win World Series, MVP, like he had to watch yeah. that happen. That's tough. But I, it sounds yeah. like you being there for him through that transitional part in his life also helped cement you two together. I think so. I really do think so. Because I think it would be hard doing that on your own and then having someone that you can talk to and relate to. And I think um, it was, I think I, hopefully I helped him through that. That's amazing. Yeah, I think that, like, t- to Mark's point, that uh, the fact that you were there for him emotionally and, um, you know, psychologically throughout that that seven years of his, was it seven years? Yeah, of his, yeah. Of his uh, minor league career. That's that's great. Um, yeah. All right, Kim, well, thank you so much for calling in. That's incredibly helpful, I think, for all of the listeners, for myself included. Um, we wish you the best. If you ever need a puppy sitter here in Los Angeles, please let me know. <laughs> I'm always more than happy to jump in when necessary. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, have a good rest of your day. All right, bye. Bye. I didn't want to say this while she was on the phone, but Buster Posey signed a eight-year deal worth one hundred fifty-nine million dollars. That's a lot of cheese. It's a lot of cheddar. Wow! wow. Didn't he win like a couple MVPs? Yeah, too he did. Like that? Yeah, that's crazy. Um, well, one thing that I think most married couples can agree is the importance of sharing meals together. And one great way to share meals with each other, if you're, I guess, kitchen—I uh, don't want to say the word inept again because I used it earlier in this podcast, but. <laughs> kitchen incapable perhaps <laughs> is to go through this amazing company called HelloFresh. I'm sure you've heard of them. I'm sure you've seen their meal delivery services. Essentially what it is is a meal kit delivery service that makes cooking fun so you can focus on the whole experience and not just the final plate. So, you know, your husband, wife, your boyfriend, girlfriend, you're just trying to impress that that boy or girl you just met. Um 
invite him over, have this this experience of cooking together, and obviously enjoying the mood, the the meal all the way at the end. They're creative, delicious, nutritionally balanced, so that way you guys can stay fit and obviously physically attracted to each other. Perfect portion and sent directly to your door with minimal waste, which is great too because my roommate is very very anti uh, excess, and so when things get sent to our house that have insane amounts of, of packaging and all that kind of stuff. He kind of gets upset. So whenever HelloFresh gets delivered to my house, you can always see the benefit in that. So check out some of the meals. The Juicy Lucy Burger, tomato onion jam, and arugula salad is one of my favorite. I think I made the lobster ravioli last week, and I love lobster. So it was delicious. And if you go on to HelloFresh.com and use the promo code DEAN, you'll get $30 off your very first week of HelloFresh and you can maybe start feeling confident in the kitchen. I, I think when I first started this podcast, I had cooked two meals since living in Los Angeles of the two years oh. I've lived here. And I've, I can safely say I've cooked quite a few more. So if you go to HelloFresh.com and enter promo code DEAN, that's D-E-A-N, you will get $30 off your very first week of HelloFresh. All right, so next we have Krista, who has been married for seven years. Um, and hopefully we can get some advice from her. Krista, are you there? I'm here. Lovely. How are you? I'm fine. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Krista, so I'm joined in the studio by Easton and Tanya, um, and we kind of just want to pick your brain. I know you talked a little bit with Erica about it, but um, can you give us a little bit more insight on your relationship and, and kind of what's going on in your life? Well, let me start with the fact that this is my second marriage, so I probably have uh, some advice you might not want to use. Uh, <laughs> I mean, good. It's, but, good. it's good to get both perspectives, both sides. Yeah. That's right. That's right. But I'm doing a better job this time, so I think I actually have some good advice. All right. Let's hear it. Okay. So, well, off the top of my head, you know that saying that you should never go to bed angry? Yep. I don't believe that one. <laughs> Why is that? I think sometimes you have to let it go. Go to bed and start fresh the next day. And sometimes that means going to bed angry. So, for me, and that has worked for our relationship. That's when I learned the second round. So give us a little bit more insight into, I guess, if you don't mind, both marriages. How long was the first one? How long is the second one currently going for? Uh, the first one was 13. So I'd say we had a pretty good run. 13 days? Nope. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm kidding. I'm wow. kidding. Thir 13 minutes? <laughs> okay, so 13 no. years for the first one. 13 years for the first one um, with a bunch of kids. And I think that probably put a little stress on it. So, um, But the seven years has been... Super easy, easy breezy. What's been different yeah. about it? You know, I think I took some life lessons away from that first one. Um, you know, not to sweat the small stuff. Like I said, it's okay. Those old wives' tales of what you should and shouldn't do that everyone quotes aren't necessarily true. Everyone has a different relationship. So, I'm, you know, we go to bed bad sometimes, and we wake up and we say sorry. And I think, you know, saying sorry, that's another big one. I, um, I don't like to apologize. <laughs> So when you guys go to bed angry, how does the how do the logistics of the of the night work? Do you guys snuggle with each other? Do you build, build like a pillow barrier? How does that work? Oh, that's a good call. I might try that next time. No, <laughs> uh, we have yet to build a, um, our separate forts. Uh -huh. um, we just sort of go to bed each on our own side of the room. There's no like going to the guest room or right. We don't. We actually don't have a guest room, so maybe we would do that. Yeah. But um, you've never yeah, sent him to the couch or anything like that. <laughs> Uh, no, our couch is pretty comfortable. That would be a real treat. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. No, you know, we just sort of go to bed and sleep it off. Nice. And generally, it's better in the morning. Great. So do you have any children with this uh, new husband? I do not, no. And, and I, I think having kids also adds, like, stress to it. So maybe that's where we have had a, a little bit easier. The difference being you can kind of focus more on the relationship than the children? Right. But I mean, we still have stepkids. We have kids. Each of us have kids. So that, that can, you know, cause a lot of stress sometimes, but our kids get along well. So Did, it's been was he married before this us. one as well? He was. Okay. Gotcha. So he you guys was. both had a chance to kind of iron out all the kinks and then come together and finally be successful. Right. I like to say I got the better version of my husband. Yeah. I'm sure he said the, the same thing. In the second round. <laughs> yeah. He considers me an upgrade for sure. <laughs> um, how did you two meet? You and your husband? We met on a beach, actually, a beach that we both go to often um, and that we grew up going to. So kind of he actually he wasn't super friendly when I first met him. So that's another tip is to give someone a second chance. Uh, he wasn't friendly in terms of like he wasn't giving you the time of day or giving anyone. He was just he was sort of an unfriendly, <laughs> um, <laughs> an unfriendly first meeting for all. But once he warms up to you, it kind of changes things a little bit. Once he warms up, he's a much, much better guy. So, yes, that, I'm glad I gave him a third, fourth, and fifth chance. Um, 
because this is probably the best thing I ever did. And I know you said in your first marriage that you said, like, you wouldn't, you know, you learned not to sweat the small things. What's, like, the biggest mistake you feel like you made in your first relationship that you're never going to do again? In the first marriage? Yeah. I think marrying someone because I wanted to get married. Ooh, that's a huge, huge, huge issue. So what about marriage made you want it so badly, just the, the forever commitment? I mean, the weddings are so fun. <laughs> I really, really wanted a wedding. And I also am kind of competitive, so I wanted to be first uh-huh. of no, all my friends. Krista, I'm so happy that you said that because I think that's a huge thing, especially a lot of my friends. I know a couple of my friends that have actually gotten married, and I think just because they were like, well, I'm about to be 30, all my friends are married, and this guy's good for now, and they don't think of, like, this is for the rest of their lives. No, I definitely did not focus on that. That was a huge difference between one and two. First one was, let's get the wedding. Oh, the dress is so pretty, and all my friends are coming, and oh, it's going to be great. And the second one, I we actually had a kid who had two broken arms minutes before uh, the ceremony. Minutes and, before? You know, well, okay, that's an exaggeration. Two days. Okay. <laughs> two days before, one of the kids broke both arms, and it was you know kind of a disaster. And you know, My hair was a mess. It was like, my dress, I'd never tried it on. It didn't fit. Which wedding did you have more fun at? The second one, for sure. <laughs> I love that. Like, all about the marriage and not the wedding. It was still how, a blast. Do you mind if I ask different. how old you were when you got your, or entered your first marriage? First marriage, I was 24. That's pretty young. How yeah. long were you guys together for? 13. That's the one that was 13. So no, no, I'm sorry, before, before the marriage, I'm sorry. Oh, before that. Um, we got engaged after eight months. Oh, wow. Uh, and we got married a year later, so less than two years. Gotcha. Interesting. And then... Um, I'm sorry for all the personal questions, but then how long, no, how long okay. did you know your current husband before you two tied the knot? Uh, two years also. Yeah. So about two years. Okay. All right. I'm a two year girl, two but year I just, girl. I'm sticking this one out. This is, this is a winner. And Hey, I think, I mean, obviously I'm sure you love your children. So you got the children out of the first one and now you got your forever husband out of the second mm-hmm. one. And three bonus children. So that's pretty awesome. And three bonus stepchildren. That's great. That's, so yeah. do you, do you still have a relationship, like a friendship or anything with your first husband or how is that? Oh, yeah, for sure. You, when you have kids with somebody, you don't get to divorce them, really. Right. Uh, so, yes, we're, we're actually friends, and we're much better friends than we were married. We were talking about that at the top of the podcast, about how it's, it's interesting and curious to see people who have been married and then end up, like, resenting each other or hating each other's guts after the marriage. So yeah. it's good to hear that you and him still have at least a, a friendly, cordial relationship. I think we're pretty lucky. We always have people say that, how lucky we are that we get along so well. But yeah. I think, in truth, we never should have been married. I, and, yes, it lasted a long time. But because we are better friends now, we probably would have been just better off being friends before. I think that's so nice, though. I, th- I think when people are so resentful and hateful towards their, like, ex-husband or even ex-boyfriends, I think that harbors so much, like, anger and anxiety in your life. I think it's so much better when you just have a happy relationship you don't have to be best friends with your exes but i think just having like a nice cordial relationship is just beneficial for everybody involved sure but i think it also takes time to get there i mean it wasn't right. like rosy in the beginning right, I, would say right. I, didn't, I didn't think we would be friends someday hmm. um we get we got lucky on that because you know no divorce is easy you never it's like a bad you know a really really bad breakup your worst breakup oh i can't even i gosh <laughs> i i really cannot imagine going through a divorce i think Dealing with heartbreak is like one of the worst things I've ever experienced in my life. I couldn't even imagine. Even even ending things with someone that I'm casually dating, I, yeah. I die a little bit inside. Yeah. Right. And I mean, divorce, they say, brings the worst out in people. And then and you have to find things. It's not like you can get away and wash your hands of it. It's There's a lot on the table. So, Krista, yeah. for, for our listeners then, maybe the ones that have yet to enter a marriage and are struggling dating, do you have any advice for them maybe that you've learned? Oh, yeah. How did you like weed out? You know, depending on like as you're dating, how did you know that your second husband was going to be the one? Gosh, that's a really good question. I I really can't say for sure how I knew, but I would say that because he had already also been divorced, he was a little more in touch with what needed to be done better. He knew he had not done some things. You know, he'd done things that he wished he hadn't done the first marriage and he was a different person. And I guess knowing that and seeing that he was open to talking about that yeah. made it so that I thought we stood a better chance. I don't think, you know, I could go back now. Let's say this, you know, something happened and I needed to shop around for number three. 
Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I would want to be with anybody who wasn't open to making things better. Yeah, that's a huge point. I think especially when you're when you're dating somebody, they always want to project that they're that they're them their best selves and that they're you know what I mean. Like I think it's it's a huge thing to look for that somebody that wants to grow and wants to be a better person because I feel like that's not super common. Well, and it means being somewhat in touch with your feelings. I right. mean, that's not super easy for anybody hmm. to necessarily be in touch with their feelings. But it's if you're slightly open to it, that's a good start. Absolutely. That's a really good that, point to look for. That's a, that's a good takeaway. Yeah. Um, all right, Crystal, well, thank you so much for, for calling in and sharing your story. Um, very, very happy for you that you found love the second time around. And best of luck moving forward. Thank you. And uh, love your podcast. So Uh-oh. thank you so much. You're amazing. Thank you. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Bye. So that might be one of my biggest fears with marriage is divorce. Oh, I'm sure everyone has shares that that sentiment, of course. But like, I feel like, what's the stat now? It's like 66 percent of marriages end in divorce or something absurd. I don't think it's quite that high, Some, but it is high. It's okay, definitely over 50. So majority of marriages end in divorce, and that's definitely Tanya stating it on the books, on record, <laughs> saying that. <laughs> no, I mean I I'm totally with you because I feel like just going through a really bad breakup was one of the hardest things I've ever had to go through. I could not imagine going through a divorce. I and, couldn't. And I don't know. It sounds like Krista obviously really enjoyed the whole wedding aspect of everything. Yeah. That's kind of what rushed her into it. I can understand. I, I, mean, I can't empathize, but I can maybe understand where she's coming it's from. It's more from, I think, from a girl standpoint, right. because we feel, and I'm generalizing, generalizing women, but I think most of my friends feel like, not that they, but yeah, I do think a lot of them feel pressure to to get married to the one that they're dating at the time because, oh, well, I'm getting up there in age and I want to have kids and time's ticking. And, you know, you just kind of do that mental math in your head. And pressure from family and friends and everybody else. Biological clock Mm -hmm. and, oh, I want the perfect wedding and my family's always wanted this for me. It's the wrong reason, but it happens. Like, I I can't tell you. I feel like I get, that's all I get asked about. Um, When are you going to get married? When are you gonna get married? So, so when I I, I kind of don't like to um, circle back to like Bachelorette and all that kind of stuff, but when the Bachelorette profiles were released, one of my Q and A's was, uh, "What do you feel? How do you feel about marriage?" And it was like near the end of the questionnaire. It's like 300 questions long, so I didn't really like elaborate what I wrote, but I said something along the lines of, "I believe that marriage is a sham derived from like religious and practical beliefs." But but at the end of the day, I do plan on getting married, and I do want to spend the rest of my life with someone. But I guess what I meant by that point is that young people for so long are taught to like idolize marriage and it's kind of like a goal, which is of course everyone wants to get married, right? And it should be a goal. But we have like these these false pretenses as to what um, a marriage is, like what, what we need to get from it, right? People kind of like, and then begin to, um, what's the word? Compromise and, and kind of like sell themselves short because they believe mm-hmm. that they need to get married. When in reality, like if you look back, like a lot of marriages happen because Maybe like two people owned farms and they wanted to like combine those farms so they would marry the, the daughter and a son. I'm serious for, for practical purposes and and a, a lot of religious reasons as well. And as those things tend to kind of fade out into the background, we still are left with this idea that marriage is a requirement of life. Right. And if you don't do it, you essentially failed at life. When in reality, like you should be f- pursuing that person that you're ready to spend the rest of your life with, and not the person that you feel like you need to be with to f- be more fulfilled in in the relationship aspect of your mm-hmm. life. I guess. Do you want to be a father? Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait to be, be that. Yeah, it'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah, and then there's another stigma to that, too. You have to be married to have... I mean, of course you don't. Right. It happens. Right. But it, there is that stigma, too, that you have to do this first, and then you do this. I mean, I do definitely want to be married when I have kids. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't really plan on having kids unless I was married, I guess. So maybe that's something that I have ingrained in my head as well. Um, but I don't know. I, I have a, a, a unique opinion about that kind of stuff. Like, I definitely want to have two children... If in, a, in an ideal world, I want to have two children of my own and then adopt two children. Really? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think that you can really only do that with someone that you're married to. Uh-huh. Um, cause that, not that the, the forever commitment is necessary, but um, I also don't necessarily believe in like diamond engagement rings or some other aspects of, of weddings and marriage. Okay, so let's delve into that. So, <laughs> <laughs> so when you propose, you'll use a different gem? Or I mean, you... of course, to Tanya's point earlier, I think every relationship comes down to compromise. And if the girl that I know that I want to spend the rest of my life with is basically saying that she needs to have a diamond engagement ring, then yes, I will do that. But I don't necessarily believe in the idea of assigning like a false value to a precious stone that really doesn't have any practical use whatsoever at all. Right, it's just it's a right. it's a rock that sits on a finger. True. It assigns a it assigns like a value or a worth to the relationship that that person is then able to go and brag about to other people. 
Um, and that's perfectly fine. I understand like the status symbol or the social symbol of it all. Mm -hmm. um, but in reality, I don't like the idea of people in other countries mining for rocks that I'm going to put on someone's well, finger. Well, sure. Yeah, there is um, a moral element to that. But at the same time, they're beautiful. <laughs> I would never, I would <laughs> Will never like- Will you wear a wedding, a wedding ring? I'll wear a wedding band, absolutely. Band, okay. um, right, the wedding band for a man. But that, that's a debate too, because some guys, oh, I don't like to wear it at the gym. Oh, I, like to, I don't like to wear it on mm -hmm. weekends. I don't like to wear it to work, you mm -hmm. know? Well, I never take mine off. Right, I think I would do the same thing. I would never take mine off. This fantasy world that you have, where you have the two kids, yeah. two adopted, two not adopted. Right. Uh, is there more to this story? Like, are they boys, girls? Um, I guess I haven't really thought that thoroughly. I know I already have my first... <laughs> I already know what I want to name my firstborn daughter. Okay. I already know what I want to name my firstborn son. Uh -huh. um, from Are we allowed to know that or no? I mean, sure. My my. Well, I think we've got her kind of covered it in the past, but my firstborn oh. daughter, I would ideally like to name her Debbie Bell for my mother. Oh. And then my firstborn son would be Hunter Scott for my friend who we discussed in the past. I understand that um, there would have to be some, some, some conversation with my future wife <laughs> regarding that. <laughs> But and I don't think you can really assign a new name to a child that you adopted. You're kind of stuck with True. whatever one. But that's interesting because I have a story with that. I when I was uh, growing up, my si I have a younger sister named Amy, which is confusing. My wife is also Amy, but my sister Amy had a best friend growing up named Allie, and Allie died of cancer when she was 16. And Allie was the greatest. Mm -hmm. My sister had so many friends, and I couldn't stand any of them because I was the older brother. They're all just mm -hmm. annoying and screamed all the time. But Allie was different. Allie would come over, and the three of us would play together because we both enjoyed her company so much. And she was funny, and she was. We played board games. We had a blast with mm -hmm. Allie, and Allie got cancer in her shoulder blade, and she mm -hmm. handled that so well. You know, she would wear a wig. A different wig to school every day. Like, she's not pretending that it's not a wig. She'd just get all these cool wigs, and sometimes she'd go bald, and she just owned it. And there was ups and downs, and then finally we lost her. And that day I said, I'm going to name my first daughter Alyssa. I hope that's okay with my wife. And when I met my wife, I told her that story, and fortunately she was okay with it. And then she was in college, and she had a friend uh, pass away that she was going to school with. And her name was Megan, and so that's why my daughter is Alyssa Megan. Oh, see, that's an amazing two story. People. Yeah. yeah. Did you have was it? Did you have a middle name for Alyssa, or you just wanted? It to I know I didn't care so much about that, so it kind of kind of worked out. And I like the sound. I, we like the sound Alyssa of Alyssa Megan. Megan. Yeah, it's that beautiful. Was pretty, yeah, and that's Allie, and she's eleven. That's a beautiful story too. Yeah, thanks. Mm. So, so you're saying there is a a healthy compromise? Yeah, totally. There is, and I think your wife will understand the beauty of of naming it after your mother or after Hunter. I think she'll get that. Yeah. And, and, and maybe there's compromise to be had, but I think that. I, I think that that's a sensitive side to you that she'll really appreciate. I normally share that story. Well, I guess I haven't shared it in a while, but I normally would share the story of wanting to name my firstborn daughter Debbie Bell, and everyone's always like, "Ugh, why would you name your daughter Debbie?" And I'm like, "Okay, well, I'm not going to get into it, but you could always call her like Bell or something like that. You know, you could find nicknames." Sure. Um, but There's another part to this compromise on the baby names is when my wife, my recently married wife, uh, we've talked about having kids, and we're like, "Oh, what name? You know, have you thought about names?" And I said, I always wanted to name my firstborn son Anakin after Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> and she said, there's no way on this earth or any That's other great name. that we're doing that. Because although it's a very cool name, you don't forget that he turns into the most fearsome Sith Lord that the galaxy's ever seen. And I said, uh, she's like, you know, Anakin means like war bringer or something like that. And I, I was I was impressed. And I said, you know what? You're absolutely right. I need to let go of that dream. That's amazing. And so now uh, there is no dream name. <laughs> Second most powerful behind Luke, though. That's true. That's say, true. Right? Good for yeah. her. Yeah. Good for her see, yeah. for standing up to that. While yeah. we're on the subject, I'm very excited to see the new Star Wars coming out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Last Jedi. <laughs> oh. Um, You didn't like Last Jedi? No, no, I mean, it, it has yet to come out. I'm excited. No, okay, what was number seven then? That was a Force Awakens. Force Awakens. So I think for nostalgia purposes, Force Awakens was great. I was like sitting, I, wa I saw it three times in theaters. I sat mm, there beaming cheek to cheek every single time I saw it. Like when the X-Wings uh, X come in and like- Oh, that sound. Oh, it's I unbelievable. Loved it. <laughs> a lot of people didn't, but I loved it. And then Rogue yeah. One upped- Force oh Awakens yeah. for like, so many different reasons. This like it was like an incredible storyline. Dude, conversation. You never watched Star Wars? <laughs> never. Um, Not even any of them. I think no. But anyway, so yes, as a, as a standalone movie, Force Awakens, incredible. I'm sure the the listeners are not very interested in this conversation, so we're gonna jump over to Lauren, who's been married for 11 years. Um, Lauren, thank you so much for calling in. How are you? Sure, good. How are you? I'm doing well. So I'm joined in studio today by Mark, Easton, and Tanya. Um, can you fill us in a little bit more about your marriage status? So I've been married for 11 years. My husband and I met actually at the office where we still work, and we have two children. Okay. Um, moving <laughs> on a tangent from there, what's your favorite Star okay. Wars movie? <laughs> what's my favorite what? Star Wars movie. Oh, God. Um, 
have to think about it. I, I don't know. <laughs> we'll circle back maybe before the, the call is over. But all right, so fill us in a little bit more. You said you've been married for 11 years. You have two children. Um, yeah, so we, we both work together. We met at the office. What do you, and, do, what do, you do for uh, work? We are both residential real estate agents. Okay. Um, and so, how long did you guys know each other before you got married? Three years. Okay, gotcha. I'm just trying to fill in the blanks here. So, so how has your relationship been um, post marriage? Obviously, you're you're kind of more more of your relationship has been married than it was dating. So, how has everything kind of changed for you? Um, I think it's changed in terms of you know obviously moving in together and sharing responsibilities and finances and stuff like that. Uh, we you know had one property, moved to another property. We have children. We've got family. You know, all over the country. So it's changed. It's gotten more stressful, that's for sure. Did you not live with him before you two married each other? I did. I lived with him for about a year, about a year. But half of that time, I lived with his roommate Oh. also. How was that? Because he was buying a place, and the place wasn't ready yet. But I had already begun, you know, my step in moving out of where I was, and I didn't want to stop did you know that you were going to marry him when you moved in with him or was the was it the moving in with him that kind of allowed foresight to know that no i definitely stopped him at the office and i knew i was going to marry him no matter what okay so before you guys even started dating yeah i really felt like he was the guy for me and i didn't even really know much about him i just i practiced signing my name i was 28 i practiced signing my name with his last name no you didn't Yes, I did. Before they you two even started dating? Yeah, they and, talked about it at our rehearsal dinner. That's oh, that's beautiful. I love this. I was in it to win it. I want. I mean, I did a lot of things to get him to like me, and it wasn't until a year and a half later that he actually asked me out. Like what? What'd you do? I heard he was into baseball. I later learned that he played at UCLA. So I organized like a big baseball game at Pan Pacific Park. And I invited all these friends and girls and guys. And I made it totally casual. Like it was something I did all the time. But obviously (laughs) it wasn't. And I invited him to come play baseball on like a Saturday. Co-ed, you know, baseball game. Um, I would just invite him out, you know, to do things here and there. And I definitely was the chaser. Wow, wait, this is so cool. Yeah, this is like a classic Jim and Pam story, I feel like, which are just the best. <laughs> it's good advice for single girls how to land Absolutely. the Marlin. Yeah, because I feel like a lot of a lot of the misconception is that we have to sit back and let guys pursue us, but like you pursued your husband and you've been married now for 11 years. Uh, and yeah, not- and like I have a, and I have a younger single sister and you know, things are different now with texting and all these apps and uh, you know, I do think it's okay to make the first move, and I did. And if I didn't, I, I don't really think we'd be married because he's a slow-moving, you know, turtle. And and to, uh, in addition to being pursuant, I think a big thing about that too was that you were patient. You said you waited 18 months before he asked you out, but you were kind of planting the seed continuously throughout those 18 months, right? Definitely, I look cute every day for work. I definitely <laughs> did you, made. Did you try extra hard at work to impress him? I always went by his desk and asked for post-it notes, and I asked him questions to build him up to think, you know, he knew more than me. Oh, I was, speak- I, was spe- I was speaking more in terms of, like, your work performance. But, so, okay, so fast oh. forward to when he asked you out. How did he go about doing that? He asked me to go out to lunch to a place um, local. He had heard that I was breaking up with a boyfriend, which hadn't officially happened yet, and he asked if we could go out. And I Wait. said, you know, I've waited for a long time for you to do this, but I'm kind of dating someone. So if you could wait a couple more weeks, let me so, let me figure. And, and it was true. And how long were you dating this person before you met him? I was dating him for about a year. Okay, you know, so, but, so six yeah. months after meeting him for the first time, you get a boyfriend, but you're still you still know that this is your person. So you still continuously flirt and plant the seed. Yes. He uh, hadn't asked me out. Another girlfriend of mine set me up with an an older guy. He seemed really nice. I went out with him. I didn't think that David was going to make any moves. And I started going out with the other guy. And I and he was like the first older guy I had really dated. Let me ask you this. So I, 11 months into that relationship, into that uh, boyfriend-girlfriend relationship, had he proposed to you, what do you would you have said no because you knew that you loved this other guy that you met at work? Or what would you, what would your response have been? Oh my God! No one's ever asked me that. I don't really know. I'm just. I mean, looking back now. Yeah, I know. Looking back now, I mean, I just 
I, looking back now, I, I did want that other relationship to work, right. and I could I could foresee a future with him, but he never told me he loved me after 11 months, uh-huh. and that was uh-huh. a problem for me. Yeah. I guess I guess the point of asking that question too is, um, if for the listeners and for for I guess everyone is if you know that you are meant to be, or or at least you need to explore another relationship. Exactly. But then you get a, a proposition beforehand. Right. What do you say? Because like, no. if, you, if you feel like... Cause, I, would, cause, I would have said no. I needed to know if David and I were right for each other. I needed to try to go out with him in some romantic way to see if there was chemistry. And uh, I waited, and it happened. And, and it, it obviously was worth it. Fast forward 11 years, and it's still going strong, which is great. But had it not worked out, then you would at least have a peace of mind. Absolutely, 100%. What was it? Is David the name of your husband? Yes, it is. What was it about David that made you know, like, I want to marry this man? Great question. Thank you. Um, he seems, well, I mean, he had the looks of someone I was looking for. Um, he seemed like a very hardworking person. That was important to me with a good work ethic. I'd heard that, you know, he had good family values and parents were married and a sister. And he also had a lot of friends, which I really was attracted to because there are a lot of people out there that don't have a lot of friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm a very social person. So mm-hmm. that was something important to me, too. Uh, and I just heard that he was an all around good, solid guy. Interesting. And that, that's actually an interesting point, too, that I can empathize with. I definitely am more attracted to a girl that has a lot of friends. Same. Yeah, I think if there's a guy that doesn't have a lot of friends, I think it's a little weird. I don't know why I feel that way, but he has friends going back from elementary school, and he's 47. Right. I mean, we, you know, that says a lot to think about somebody. And you're 39, I'm guessing? Yeah, I'm 39. Okay. We, yeah, and we had 10 grooms men and bridesmaids each and i would say almost all of his were from a long time ago that's amazing lauren i love you <laughs> oh thank you i mean this makes me i love this <laughs> you know i um i think about the other guy a lot and i think about if i had ended up with him i we actually went to his wedding nice. and i filled his house and he's got two kids now but i do think about like what if i ended up with him what would my life be like well, what's the key to your marriage now? Like, what's ha- held you and David together for 11 years? Um, well, besides having separate bank accounts, which I think is really important mm. for us, um, is I think it was really important, and I'm still finding it now, to know who you are. I've always known who I am and you know, what I stand for and what I believe in, and I've always known that to be what David is too, and all of these obviously are our values and morals. But there are things about him I thought I could change, small things um, that bother me, and I can't. Mm. And so I've adjusted my expectations over these years to know what I can get from him and what I can't. And I think that that's been really important to our success for me. And the, I, you that's know. really good advice. And these are small things that you wouldn't have noticed without time itself kind of unfolding. Time. Yeah, I would say there was a lot of romantic stuff in the beginning, and there's not as much anymore. <laughs> you know, there was a lot of compliments in the beginning and not as much anymore. But I don't need that as much. But, you know, those are like little things that I thought I could change if I told him it bothered me. But at the end of the day, people are who they are, and life is busy and work and kids and stress and travel. And, you know, we're all, we just, we respect each other, and he supports me, like, so much with with my dreams and my work and what I want to do. And I think because also I contribute to the family, I have more say in what I want to do. Yeah, that's interesting. In terms of, like, work-life balance. Um, well, I, that's fantastic. I mean, I'm glad you guys were able to make it work, and I'm, I'm glad, obviously, that things kind of unfolded the way they did. It's, it's weird how kind of the universe seems to have a plan for mm-hmm. you sometimes. Um, I know it's true. And I think that's actually really great advice because I think a misconception that a lot of us, a lot of single people have is like, you know, your partner has to check all these boxes and nobody's going to fit a hundred percent of what you want your partner to be. It's just not, just not possible. I agree possible. with that. And like my, 
my younger sister is, is single, and she always says to me, I mean, she's really picky about all the guys she goes out with, and she tells me about every guy and no follow-up and this and that and picks them apart, which I understand because she doesn't want to settle. But at the same time, she always says she wants someone like David, which makes me feel really good. <laughs> And I don't know if those guys exist. Any, like, I don't know. I hear all these stories about single guys, and I'm like, God, I don't know that I would want to go through that right now. Yeah. They so exist. Hard to navigate. They it's exist. Hard, I know they exist. It's just hard to imagine. You know, dating now seems harder, but you have to be more choosy. Mm-hmm. And I agree that you don't want to settle, and that's important. I think to remember. I think what you did best that everyone should take with a whole heart now is just the patience thing again. I think I can't really stress that enough. Yeah. The fact that you guys waited 18 months of getting to know each other and understanding each other, I think that's so what... So good. It's so good. It's like, so I can't good. even get over this. So good. It, yeah. Again, the Jim and Pam thing. Jim was engaged to uh, Roy, broke it off, fell for Jim. Pam Wait, was engaged Pam to Pam was engaged to Roy. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was like, okay, my mistake, my mistake. Um, is this The Office? The yeah. Office, my oh. favorite show. I love hearing those stories. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many good stories like that where people, something goes wrong, you know, but it ends up being right. Right. And they end up finding the person that they're supposed to be with. And it's, right. so, it's so awesome. All right, Lauren. Well, thank you so much for calling in and sharing your story. Um, incredibly happy for you, you and David. And uh, best of luck to you moving forward. Okay. Thanks again. All right. Bye. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. That's interesting that David doesn't give her what she needs in terms of like compliments and stuff like that i know but i guess that happens over time and and that makes sense to me the whole what can you deal with and what can you not deal with what are your not necessarily deal breakers but the stuff that you're really going to draw a line in the sand and say this cannot continue right like and then there's other stuff you're like okay i can handle that because you're right there's going to be compromise and there's going to be adjusted expectations there has to be for a lifetime together but in this case, I feel like Lauren's, and, and we can always kind of bring it back to love language, I feel like Lauren's love oh. language in that sense was words of affirmation. And if she f- uh, vocally expresses to David, hey, I need you to be more affirming vocally, whatever it is, maybe he did it over a short amount of time. But I think that as someone's husband or as someone's life partner, you need to be more uh, embracing of that idea and give them what they need because otherwise it's just not really communicating clearly mm-hmm. with them. But I mean, I, mean, I think that should happy. be the first thing that every couple does is like take the love language test and like just do it together and just I think it'll help solve a lot of divorces. Do you have someone in mind now? You're the David in your life, the person that you know, maybe it's through work or through whatever that you are going to target? Tim Tebow. Yeah, duh. thank you, Tim. <laughs> Um, well, one thing that I think can attribute all of this to is just the importance of time. And what better way to tell time than with a beautiful movement watch on your wrist? Oh, wow. That was smooth. <laughs> I've talked about them before. I'll talk about them again. I wear them all the time. Movement watches, they're, they're a local company here in Los Angeles. They just sprouted up recently. What's great about them is they are a very fashion-forward but very affordable watch company here. You'll see a lot of great looking watches, but a lot of them will really break the bank. And especially with the holidays coming up, it's nice to be able to buy a lot of cool looking things for maybe a little bit less money than you would you would be spending otherwise. So if you go to movement.com slash help, you'll get 15% off with free shipping and free returns. So say you order a watch for your brother, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, whoever it is, and they end up wanting a different style, you could return that watch for free. Get another one shipped back out to you for free, all while getting 15% off. Um, Great watches. Like I said, I wear them all the time. Every time I wear them out to the bars at night, I get a million compliments on them. Um, So go to movement.com slash help, and that's mvmt.com slash h-e-l-p. So if you are struggling to find gifts for whoever it is you're looking to give gifts to this this year, I know it's always been difficult for me. Um, And I'm a big gift giver. I like to give my friends gifts. I like to always surprise my siblings with gifts whenever I'm able to. Look no further than going to movement.com slash help, mvmt.com slash help. Not only do they have watches, but they also have sunglasses, men's and women's. I think they have like so many styles. Only $95? Only $95. But no, 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 Tanya. With 15% off, you're going to cut that down probably by about (laughs) $14.50, right down to $81.50. I mean, your math skills (laughs) are really blowing my mind today. I'm not going to lie. But not only that, Tanya, you're also going to get free shipping. You're going to get free returns. Again, go to movement.com, mvmt.com slash help. You'll get 15% off, free shipping, free returns. 
No better place to look for your holiday season gift giving than mvmt.com slash help. Help! Help! <laughs> I hate that so much. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's so good. Um, I don't want to feel I don't want you to feel like I'm taking you from anything. I'm having a blast though. You make you enrich this experience so much. It's always nice to have a woman's perspective. <laughs> I find this really I, I mean, I do. I think that like um I love learning about other people's like, and I feel like I go when I like just in my normal life when I'm talking to people. I feel like I always ask like such inappropriate questions, but I feel like it's so informative to learn from like the way other people have made their lives work. Mm -hmm. There's definitely more of like an openness or honesty to I think me and maybe just people in general nowadays where, well, certain types of people where you feel more comfortable asking those awkward questions and receiving yeah. them and answering back. Yeah, like I don't know. I feel like maybe that's just me because I've shared so much of my life so publicly lately. And yeah. So it's like kind of allowing me to be more open and honest with not only the, you guys and and people that call in, but also like my friends whenever they're kind of looking for updates on my life. And it's funny because none of my friends listen to this podcast. Not as, <laughs> like not a single one of them. And if they do, they're not telling me. <laughs> so like they're, they'll like ask me. They're like, "So what's new in your life, man?" I'm like, "Oh, just listen to my podcast." <laughs> <laughs> I know, but you can't. You have to like live your life right. and like multiple times. Multiple times. Mm. It's weird. And yeah, I don't know. It's just a, it's a weird thing. And I, I would never expect them to listen to it. I mean. You know, they're 26, 27, 28-year-old guys that are really need to want to listen to podcasts. You know, it's thoughts. true. Like, my friends, I've been in radio for 20 years. My friends have never listened to anything I've ever done right. on radio. Hey, I don't think a lot of my friends listen. That's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> it's almost better, though, I think. Maybe. Oh, if a guy that I was dating listened to the morning show, I'd be... Like I'd Mr. Be Whole Foods, if he listened to your podcast with Becca, Scrubbing in with Becca Tilly. Oh, he'd yeah. be probably mortified. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> That's probably I for the best. I don't listen to podcasts. Oh, come on, Dean. <laughs> there's, there's also a weird thing. Maybe I feel like they're like harboring it. So we went out to a party like two weeks ago um, in Venice and this guy like posted some Instagram stories tagging me and I'd never met the guy before. He just like knew who I was and he he blocked the stories from me. So like when my friends were like, hey, you're in this guy's Instagram story, I like went to his Instagram page and I was like, I couldn't see them because Ew, creepy, weird. No, it's not. And I thought it was very creepy at first, too. But what I ended up finding out was that they that he didn't want me to know that he knew who I was before I introduced myself to him, you know? I mean, like, it's like a weird thing. Like, he didn't so want... Weird. So weird. So, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't need to backtrack. That's still super weird. Is it weird? Yeah. I, I mean, if you, like, plan on having a friendship with someone, you don't want to be like, oh, I have these preconceived notions of who you are. It's kind of... Maybe he wanted it to be more like, oh, I just met you for the first time and I never... Right, but you right, were but, on television. And you know you were on television. Yeah, but I never assume that people know who I am whenever I meet them. And I think that maybe... Right, but if he does and you found out that he knew who you were, that wouldn't make you think less of him. Right. I mean, maybe. I think this guy's okay, weird. Well, I go. wouldn't pursue a friendship with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like him. He's not your David. No new friends. <laughs> He's not my David or my no. Tim Tebow. <laughs> but I do think there's something really special about being vulnerable in a public forum. Because I've had a lot of, like, you know what I mean? Just I've had a lot of people, a lot of listeners tell me that, like, they're, like, so appreciative. And, like, they really, like, live life and learn things through mistakes I've made and you know yeah. what I mean sure because they can relate to your stories because right. everyone's everyone somewhere is going through what you're going through right there's got there's a line though because I feel like I've been so open and honest about everything but I still have so much I've never even talked about or even oh like, that's a great tease for next week yeah like what like <laughs> or, in what or in I've really ever planned on touching on really to protect the people involved in the stories more so than me you know that's mm. interesting that is interesting like where's the line drawn couldn't you just change the names to protect the innocent no Really? Very, I mean, no. I think that like um, there, there are certain times where I've wanted to share a story that would be very like defining of of certain events, but I can't because I need to protect the other person. And so, like, that's kind of the weird. Like, sometimes you'll see me get closed off or like maybe like shut down a little bit, and it's mostly well, to protect the other person. I think that everybody has a line, obviously. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think anybody shares a hundred percent of things that have happened in their life or in their past or in their current. Sure. You know. I think you have to draw that line for yourself and figure out like what you want to share and what you don't want to share. But I do think sometimes the most uncomfortable and awkward conversations that you can have out loud are some of the most endearing and some of the most, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, bonding like that people can really like bond with. And does that make sense. Yeah. But where is, is there like a line of ethics involved where it's like if a story involving someone that doesn't necessarily paint them in the best light, like it is no, it like slander. Or whatever. Well, I mean, maybe there's no legal, but morally, yeah, I see what you're saying. Right. But isn't there a way to tell some of these stories without naming who these other people are? Yeah. The stories that I've thought of, there's absolutely no way of getting. Wow. Yeah. Because they're people we would know. Yes. Oh. oh. 
You've said so much on this show. I mean, you've opened up about your father and your relationship with him. A lot of it revolves around that, I think, is is basically what I was thinking of initially. Okay. Yes. I see. All right. Well, oh, I see. Could you get him into trouble? Right. I okay, oh. and maybe even just talking about it now, I'm kind of getting a little uncomfortable. To oh, be wow, <laughs> that is interesting. It's weird, right? I don't know. Yeah, but you have to think that what you've gone through, there's probably millions of people that have gone through that would be helped by hearing your story. Exactly, and it's probably so scary, and it's probably very uncomfortable. But I think what he's asking is, and I'm, just to be generic, yeah. is let's say he told a story about his dad stealing a car. Could right. his dad get into legal trouble for right. auto theft this many years later is kind of what he's saying. Right, right. And I don't know the answer to that, actually. I, I don't I'm not sure either. what statutes of limitations are or civil lawsuits. We, I don't know. We all owe a certain level of respect to our family members, sure. especially of our fathers. Course. Even though him and I don't get along, I of still course. owe him a certain level of respect. So I can't necessarily be open and honest about everything that's kind of gone on between the two of us and... and the rest of our family. And maybe eventually I'll be able to find the line a little bit more clearly, but as I'm stumbling my way through this public spectrum, I'm I'm forced to withhold certain things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. But And you can also, when you become a father yourself, you can kind of share things and, that you're going to do differently because of, you know what I mean? Like. So here's the thing. When I become a father myself, fast forward 26 years. If 26 my son, years? If my, if my son is on a pod, hosting a podcast... Oh, okay. <laughs> I would want him to be able to happily share every single thing that I've ever done with him, with our family, whatever it is. But I know that people obviously make mistakes, look back and have regret on them. Of course. Um, so I don't know. It's just a weird, uh, weird dynamic going on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that does it for episode 10 of Help I Suck at Dating. We had some great conversations with married couples. Um, always great having Tanya in studio. Mark and Easton always freaking wonderful to just have weighed in. It's funny because I feel like we all have very different perspectives of things. And so it's nice to be able to kind of have uh, conversations about it. A woman's perspective of a happily married man of 15 years, a newlywed, and a, a guy that just sucks at dating. Um, <laughs> you know what? You may suck at dating, but you're a real gem of a person. <laughs> Thanks, Tanya. I appreciate I really, that. I really, I really like you. <laughs> you're so sweet. Thank you so much. I do. Um, All right, so again, that does it for episode 10 of Help I Suck at Dating. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to tune in next week because maybe I'll suck a little bit less. Follow Help I Suck at Dating with Dean Unglert on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. 